Would you find in your Bibles Judges chapter 7? Either find that in your Bible or find a smartphone or there are some uh, chair Bibles in the racks in front of you. I'd love for you to be able to look at these verses with you. We'll talk about the story of Gideon. Gideon's found actually Judges chapter 6, 7, and 8. We're going to be looking at uh, different parts of uh, 6 and 7 probably primarily, but we're going to begin in 7 uh, in verse 1. But I appreciate you being here today. A shout out to the Tiger Pauls and Coach Helen. Thank you all for being here. I think it's camp for them, so thank you for taking time out to come be in worship with us today. And if you're watching live stream, well, you're lost, but uh, just kind of just saying. But uh, we're glad that you're here today. And it was the time of the period of the judges. And uh, during that time, it was a time, kind of an in-between time, because it was after they had left Egypt been in the wilderness for 40 years. They had moved into the promised land and it was before the time in which they had the first king. The judges were the leaders or rulers uh, that would come from time to time during this time of the period of the judges. It was mostly a dark time spiritually. There was not a lot of good things that were happening, but there were times in which there were highlights and there were victories. And this is one of those in Judges chapter 7. If you'll read along with me, Judges chapter 7 beginning in verse 1. This now is the word of God. It says, Then Jerubal, that is Gideon, and all the people who were with him rose early and camped beside the spring of Herod. And the camp of Midian was north of them by the hill of Marah in the valley. And the Lord said to Gideon, The people with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hands, lest Israel boast over me, saying, My own hand has saved me. Now therefore proclaim in the ears of the people, saying, Whoever is fearful and trembling, let him return home and hurry away from Mount Gilead. Then 22,000 of the people return, and 10,000 remain. And the Lord said to Gideon, The people are still too many. Take them down to the water, and I will test them for you there. And any of whom I say to you, this one shall go with you, shall go with you. Any of them whom say to you, this one shall not go with you, shall not go. So he brought the people down to the waters, and the Lord said to Gideon, Everyone who laps the water with his tongue as as a dog laps, you shall set by himself. Likewise, everyone who kneels down to drink, and the number of those who lap, putting their hands to their mouths, were 300. But all the rest of the people knelt down to drink water. And the Lord said to Gideon, with the 300 men who lapped, I will save you and give the Midianites into your hands. Let the others go every man to his home. So the people took provision in their hands and their trumpets, and they sent all the rest of Israel, every man to his tent, but retained the 300 men. The camp of Midian was below him in the valley. Verse 9 reads this, That same night the Lord said to him, Arise, go down against the camp, for I have given them into your hand. We're going to pick up at verse 16. Judges Judges chapter 7 and verse 16 says, And he divided the 300 men into three companies and put trumpets into the hands of all of them and empty jars with torches inside the jars. And he said to them, Look at me and do likewise. When I come to the outskirts of the camp, do as I do. When I blow the trumpet, I and all who are with me, then blow the trumpets also on every side of all the camp and shout for the Lord and for Gideon. So Gideon and the hundred men who were with him came to the outskirts of the camp at the beginning of the middle watch. When they had just set the watch, and they blew the trumpets and smashed the jars that were in their hands. Then the three companies blew the trumpets and broke the jars they held in their left hands and the torches in their right hands, the trumpets to blow. And they cried out, A sword for the Lord and for Gideon. 
Every man stood in his place around the camp and all the army ran. They cried out and fled. And when they blew the 300 trumpets, the Lord said, Every man's sword against his comrade and against all his army. And we will stop right there. May the Lord bless the reading of His holy word today. If there's a key verse from these verses that I want you to know and remember, it would be verse 9. Judges chapter 7 and verse 9. Here's how it says it in the New Living Translation. It said, That night the Lord said, Get up. I have given you the victory. Get up, not lay down, I've given you the victory. Not do less, I've given you the victory. But get up or rise or go forward. I will say I want to give you permission this morning to leave early today. Now, it's not because I'm going to get through early. Uh, doesn't mean I'm going to get, go longer either. But I give you permission, no harm, no foul. Get out a church free card and come back next week. Not because of any other reason than the subject matter in which we are looking at. Because today as we come to this passage, it's going to help us, I believe, to be able to look at ways in which we need to grow. And how we need to grow and go forward as a church. And how we need to go and grow forward as uh, individual followers of the Lord Jesus. Now, if you feel like you're exactly where you need to be in your growth with the Lord, or if you've reached the height of where you need to be, or you're satisfied that this is the status quo for our church, well, then maybe this might not be for you. But most people realize they've got some growing to do, even we do as a church. We've come a long way, but we know we're not yet finished, and the Lord has other things in store, and has a vision, and a plan, and a purpose. We know for each one of us. Paul said, brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet but one thing I do forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead do you know the only ones who Jesus encountered who felt like they did not need a change or any kind of transformation were the religious leaders the Pharisees and the Sadducees now you may not know the difference between a Sadducee and a Pharisee but trust me in this you do not want to be like either one of course I don't want you to leave early today I only say this for emphasis because I do want us to use this story of Gideon to paint for us a vision for God's church and for each of us individually let's dare to dream what God can and will do through each one of us Besides, if you leave now, then we might think of you as a Pharisee or a Sadducee. It's interesting to me, as if you've been watching the, any of the Olympics over the last eight or nine days, it is the Olympics 2020, even though we're here in 2021. I just assume it's because they'd already printed the t-shirts and it was going to cost too much to reprint those. Well, last year in 2020, we kind of used that as a theme that we wanted to see clearly. We wanted to have 2020 vision when it comes to God's will and seeing God's vision. Well, here we are in 2021 and God's sight is still 2020. It's still perfect. He sees clearly all that is happening today around us in the world in which we live. He is still in charge and He knows and holds the future. So let's talk for just a moment. What is God's vision for Parkway Baptist Church? And if you're visiting or a guest here today, this will hopefully help you to maybe see a little bit of the insight of who we are and the direction in which God is going to be taking us. And, but hopefully it will also help to see where God's direction for each one of us. But for Parkway Baptist Church, all New Testament churches need to have something going on when it comes to the Matthew 28 Great Commission and the Acts 1-8. Matthew 28, of course, go ye therefore to make disciples. And the Acts 1-8, uh, be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth under the power and direction of the Holy Spirit. We want to be in position to make disciples and share Jesus in the community in which we live as well as to share and shine the light around the world. We believe that the Lord has placed us here 
uh, on this hill and in this community where we are today for a reason and every member is to be a part of that mission and share in that vision. So let's talk a little bit more specific maybe about this church. What kinds of things would help us to be able to imagine and to be able to see God's and fulfill God's vision that He has particularly for this church or at least help us to be in a place if the Lord chooses to bless that we can be a part. Well, in 2004, under the direction of church leadership, the Holy Spirit, these architectural drawings were made of what the future of Parkway's campus might look like. And so we'll show it to you just real quickly because we've got a lot of other things we want to talk about. Well, you understand, of course, you're right here in the existing sanctuary. And uh, we've talked about a lot of future buildings. We're talking about building and tangible things. We're no we're more than that. But here are some of the things that, if the Lord blessed, things that we might need. Uh, that's, that would be a future sanctuary. Those of you that know, this is Dean Road. And the cul-de-sac comes in here. We own all of this property all here. So even... You know, parking decks are going everywhere at Auburn. We might need our own one day. But this is just dare to dream of what this might be in 2004. In 2020, uh, last year, we put together and presented to the church what we called our five and ten year vision plan. The five year plan includes some physical and tangible things like paying off the debt, which we mentioned here from just a moment, and sprucing up our present facility. Some of you parked on a brand new resurfaced parking lot this this week that was done this week. We got work going on in our Christian Life Center uh, being led by Parkway Preschool. New lighting in main buildings, new walls, uh, uh, redoing some of the landscaping, new fresh approach also, not only to the physical building, but spiritually with new discipleship that you'll be hearing about in the coming weeks. Two things that we're asking Parkway members and friends to be a part of this month. One of those is what we're calling an essential Bible reading plan and prayer plan. Essential Bible reading and prayer. And uh, so August 15th, that's kind of our, when our new semester begins. It, uh, we'll have promotion Sunday. We'll go back to uh, one Sunday school all at the same time. But we're asking you on that Sunday to, as a church, we want to encourage you to commit to 100 days of Bible reading where we want to give you 50 scripture verses from the Old Testament, 50 scripture verses from the New Testament, where it will highlight, and as you read, you'll get the big story of what the Bible tells us and what the Bible teaches. We'll start in Genesis, end in Revelation. If we begin on August 15th, 15th or 16th and you will finish on uh, Thanksgiving Day or the day before Thanksgiving in those hundred days. And then we want to be praying. We'll be praying that the Lord will make himself known in the world in which we live, in uh, our nation, in our community, in our homes, and certainly in our hearts. And so we'd be praying for some of these same things. We want to do this as a church. This will go along with part of our discipleship plan. And then as new people join the church and we have new believers coming to know Christ, what we want to do is we want to give them this plan. Let them know this is what we've done and we want to encourage you. A lot of people, when they join the church, they become believers and say, what's next? And one of those things will be to be reading God's Word. They have a hundred, you know, we're not going to be reading through the Bible. It'll be more like a chapter or two, sometimes half a chapter a day. But it will tell the big picture of what the Bible's about so that we might have that as a foundation. So we want to encourage you in that. And uh, the second has to do with paying off the debt. And... Uh, Back in 2014, we kind of set a goal. We owed $2.3 million at that point, which sure sounds like a big number now. But uh, uh, and we kind of had a goal to pay off that $2.3 million by 2023. 
uh, 22.3 by 2023. At least it rhymed or something But uh, at that point. But the Lord has done incredibly more than we could ask or imagine. We started a faith campaign, began to look at that. We owed $1.3 million when we started looking at that campaign. We started it officially in January, and now that of which we owed, I think we've got that on our screen as well. We know now $151,000, just under $152,000. The Lord has done incredibly more than we could ask or imagine. Now, on September the 19th, and listen, if you're a guest today, hang on here. We'll get into the scripture here in just a moment. But on September 19th, we're going to mark or have a celebration Sunday, 50 years as Parkway Baptist Church. We would like to pay this off and have a note burning on that day. So that's just about a month and a half away. So during the month of August, many of you have already made commitments. Maybe you're ahead. Maybe you're not. Maybe you like can get ahead during the month of August. If you can, we'd love for you to be a part of paying this off by September 19th. Well, can that be done by then? Well, a few months ago, I'd have said probably not. To really have the, but I would say certainly the Lord is able to do more than we could ask or imagine. So that will be part of what is happening and what's going on in uh, the, our 5 to 10 year plan 2025 to 2030 we want to continue to do things with our building spiritual, we'll talk about that here in just a moment possibly a corridor uh, that reaches from the east side west side to be a gathering area cafe of sorts, also repurposing enlarging of our CLC for greater use, more parking added as the Lord sees fit to bless his church Let's talk more important about the spiritual vision. One of the things that we want to do is we want to reach at least 10% of our average attendance for Christ. In other words, if we're averaging 300, we want to reach at least 30 every year. Uh, new believers, that may not sound like a lot. If we're averaging 500, we want to reach at least 50 people for Christ. But more than what we uh, have been doing, and we certainly believe the Lord, He's the one that brings the harvest, but we want to do planting and watering. All of this will not happen unless we're growing as believers. The vision is the people who have a heart for the Lord God and a heart for one another, and a heart for lost people. Now, what makes Parkway Baptist Church distinct? I think we're already distinct. It has nothing to do with income or what we drive or where we live or the color of our skin, but we're distinct because we're people of the book. We want to be about missions and ministry, taking care of one another and reaching and growing more people. There, there are plenty of churches today in Auburn who have empty pews and chairs and in the future, people looking not for a body of Christ to be involved in, but only for a pew or a chair to sit in on Sunday, well, there are plenty of places who have empty chairs and pews. We're creating an atmosphere where folks will want to be a part of Parkway Baptist because we are about growing in Jesus and serving our Lord. Life is too short. God is too good for it to be any other way. And we're not after people who are members of other churches. We're going after lost and the unchurched and people who are far away from God. And we want to help them to be brought close. And I've said before, we'll probably say it again, that if you're involved in another church and you're an already believer growing in Christ, don't join Parkway unless you want to get excited about kingdom work and about serving our Lord and Savior. Can you see it? Can you catch the vision? Sometimes God has to scale down sometimes before he builds up so he'll get all the glory. It doesn't happen automatically. It will not happen as a church if we do not yet see the vision that God has for your individual life. Life's too short. God is still good. If, if you don't see today or understand that the Lord has a purpose and a vision and a place and a future for you, whisper a prayer right now. Lord, show me what you have for me. 
Give me, give me a vision today. Before you leave this place, ask the Lord to begin to reveal that to you as well. God gave Gideon. Oh, we're back to Gideon. God gave Gideon a personal vision for his own life and certainly a vision for what was going to happen for better days for Israel. Gideon was obedient and he gave God the victory. But I want you to know that the faith that we read about in chapter 7 a moment ago was not evident in Gideon's life when he first comes on the scene in biblical history at the beginning of chapter 6. Now God desires for your faith to grow and you, maybe you've got some notes as you came in that you can fill in the blank or we'll show them here on the screen. But as we go through here, we're going to talk about maybe some different levels of faith and I want you to be able to maybe see if you can identify your faith stage. The first one is weak faith. That is, faith is barely noticeable. Maybe not even noticeable to others, but God sees. I hesitate to say that a believer can have no faith because it does take faith in order to receive God's gift. Bible says that we're saved by grace through faith. Some faith must be present. Even when no one else can see it, maybe even we don't realize it. But God can, however. He can see it. Weak as it may be. And here's what I want you to see. See the gracious, patient hand of God. For seven years, the Midianites had been running roughshod over the land of Israel. The Midianites, the ones who are the enemies of Israel, particularly during harvest time, they would come in and they would take all the crops and anything that they wanted. Israel had been worshiping, though, foreign gods. And he was allowed this to happen, but he was looking for a person of faith, even if it had been weak faith. In Judges chapter 6 and verse 11, if you've got your Bibles, you may want to go back. It says, the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon. We believe that to be not just an angel, but sometimes the pre-incarnate Christ who has appeared in a visit even before he was born in Bethlehem. And when Gideon realizes who this is, he cries out, O sovereign Lord, fears death because he knows he's seen more than just an angel. But this is a visit from God himself. But God reassures Gideon. What does the Lord call Gideon? Got your Bibles open. Look at verse 12, chapter 6 and verse 12. What does God, God call Gideon? I'm reading from the ESV and there he says he's a mighty man of valor. Another translation says he's mighty warrior or a mighty hero. Does he look like a mighty warrior? No, he does not. He is a simple farmer and he is threshing grain, which normally would mean that he's standing on a hill where the wind blows and the chaff is taken away and the grain falls on the threshing floor to be gathered but that's not where he is. He's in a wine press, which should be below ground or in a shelter. And he's there so as not to be seen by the Midianites, the enemy. Now, the word fear is used several times throughout these next two chapters in relation to Gideon and many of the Israelites. And what we're going to find out, what Gideon finds out, is that faith is the answer to fear. And disobedience is often the cause of weak faith. Now listen, Having fear or being worried or anxious does not mean that you do not have any faith. Now, what you do with that fear, what you do with that worry and that anxiety may say something about your faith. Remember the Apostle Paul wrote the letters in the New Testament? Many times he would write to, these, to the people of church in which he was writing. He'd ask them to pray for him. What would he most often ask for? He'd say, pray that I might have courage. Pray that I might be bold. Now let me ask you something. Have you ever asked somebody to pray for something that you already have? So even the Apostle Paul, I believe, was anxious and fearful at times, and he, though he, through faith, was able to be bold. God calls Gideon a mighty warrior, not because he looked like one, but because God saw in him some potential in the vision that God had for Gideon. It's the same reason that Jesus called Simon Peter. 
which means rock. He sure didn't look like the rock when God, when Christ first called him. But after the witness of the resurrection, after the witness of the cross and the resurrection as a leader of the first century church, he certainly looked more rock-like. Aren't you glad that God sees some potential in us? And not what we are now, but who we can be in Jesus. The name Christian means little Christ. So let me ask you, is that something you are now or something that you still need to be? Well, if you answered both, well, now you're getting it. The angel of the Lord said to Gideon, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. And here how, here's how Gideon responded. He said, Well, then, if God is with me, then why has all this happened? The Lord brought us out of the land of Egypt to this land, but now the Lord has abandoned us. Does that not sound like us sometimes in difficult times or even when we're out of God's will? Well, God, where are you? And it sounds like weak faith. In Judges chapter 6, verses 14 and 15, it says this. It says, And the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do not I send you. Verse 15 says, And he said to him, Please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. What I want you to see this morning is the progression of Gideon's faith. It started out very small, but God gives him the first insight on how to increase his weak faith. Look at verse 16. It says, And the Lord said to him, But I will be with you, and you shall strike the Midianites as one man. Gideon's focus was on himself. Me, who am I? I'm from the weakest clan. I'm, I'm the run of my family. But God says, it's not about you. You know, humility is needed in the Christian life. But in this case, Gideon was thinking only about himself and he wasn't thinking about God at all and what God could do. It was a first grade assignment for the kids as they were learning how to count. The first graders were told to go out into their backyard and count the stars on that clear night. And so as they came back in from their assignment, the teacher asked, well, how many stars did you count? And they came out with some huge numbers like 19 or a quadrillion, some said. And one little boy said, three. And the teacher said, well, everybody saw lots of stars. How come you saw only three? He said, I don't know. I guess I got a really small backyard. See, sometimes our problem is that we're focusing only on our small backyard and we have a hard time looking up to see how big God really is. Here's the thing, I think that most believers or many believers stop right here in their faith. It remains weak and they have a hard time making any progress because they're thinking more about themselves. But it doesn't have to be that way. You want to do something about your weak faith? For a weak faith to grow, take the focus off self and put it on God. One of the ways we do that is by practice praising God. You know, one of the reasons we sing before we proclaim God's Word, we don't always do it in that order, but most of the time, 99.9% .9 of the time, is so that we might begin to focus as we come into this place on who God is, and we do that most oftentimes through praising Him. You can praise Him by the attributes that you read in the Bible or sometimes maybe that you think about in nature and pray those back to God. Practice praying back His attributes. But then there's another level of faith we'll call baby faith. It's starting to grow some, but it's not mature like it should be. It must be spoon-fed. Gideon says, if I have found favor in your eyes, give me a sign that this is you, Lord, really talking to me. Gideon asked for his first sign. He, he asked for lots of signs, and this is his first one. And so uh, 
Gideon goes and he prepares a sacrifice. He goes, he gets a goat and some unleavened bread, sets it before the angel of the Lord, touched it with a staff. When he does, the Bible tells us the fire consumed the meat and the bread. Gideon had his first sign. And then he got his first assignment. Keep in mind, the vision is to lead the people to defeat the Midianites. But first he was to go to his hometown and what he was to do, he was to tear down all the altars to the false gods and put up a genuine altar for the God. Well, he was a little fearful about doing this. So, but he was going wanted to follow God, wanted to do what God had said. In fact, if you get still chapter 6 and verse 27 says this, So Gideon took ten men of his servants and did as the Lord had told him, but because he was too afraid of his family and the men of the town to do it by day, he did it by night. God gave him a sign. He was still fearful, showed weak faith, took ten men with him to do it. And instead of doing it by day, because he was fearful, the Bible says that he did it by night. And when the people get up the next morning, the people are furious that the altars have been torn down. And they want to know who did it. You know, you take 10 people with you, it's not going to take long for somebody to tell. And so it wasn't long before they found out that Gideon was the one who tore down the altars to the false gods. And the people wanted to kill him. His dad steps in. Gideon's dad, who was an idol worshiper. But his dad said, listen, in order to save his people from killing Gideon, he said, if these are really gods, they can protect themselves. They can take care of themselves. And so they did not kill Gideon. Did not kill uh, Gideon. And then the Spirit of the Lord, verse uh, 34, says the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon during the time in which they uh, needed defending from the enemy. And he blew a trumpet. And he summoned the Israelites to join him. Now his faith is growing, but then he asked for another sign. And he said, Lord, if you're really going to give victory through my hand over the enemy, would you send me a sign? And from here is where we get the term putting out the fleece, if you've ever heard that term before. And he puts a fleece on the threshing floor, which has been a wool covering. And he says, Lord, if you're going to give me victory in the battle against the enemy, then have the next morning when the dew comes down, have it so that the dew is only on the fleece and not on the ground, then I will know in the next morning that it was so. Then the Lord prayed again and said, Lord, Gideon prayed again and said, Lord, don't be angry with me, but one more sign. This time make the ground wet and the fleece dry. And the next morning it was so. Here's my question. Was Gideon showing baby faith or a more mature faith? Sometimes people will ask me, uh, when did I know that God was calling me to preach? And I'll ask him, i said, now, when did I know for sure that God wanted me to preach for the rest of my life? I said, well... I'm almost 60. When it happens, I'll let you know for sure. But do you mean to know, are you asking, when will I know, when to have an inkling that I thought that God was calling me to preach? Well, I remember it was a Sunday night and I was, we were in church and it was during the invitation time. And during that invitation time, I don't know what the sermon was on, but it must have been on something that made me think maybe the Lord's calling me to preach. And, and I was going to make it public. And I, but I asked the Lord for a sign. I said, Lord, if, first I said, if someone else goes down, no one had gone down during the service, I'll, I'll go down and make it public that you're calling me to preach. And, uh, but as a, and then I said, Lord, 
that seems too easy. I believe I'll pick somebody out. And if that person goes down, then I'll believe that you're calling me to preach. And I looked around, just my goodness, looked like everybody looked like they were about to go down. So I thought that was too easy. It was during the days in which the youth choir would sit in the choir loft in the service. And there were three rows, two rows of girls and a row of boys. And and I thought to myself, and I said, Lord, I said, if one of the choir members goes down, then I'll, I'll go down. That still seemed a little too easy. And I thought, well, the girls might go down, but surely not the boys usually. And there were nine boys sitting on the back. And I counted one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, and the one in the middle. And I, then I prayed, Lord, if he goes down, I'll know that you're calling me to preach and I'll make it public. And the moment I said that, he put his hymn book down and he walked down. And he, made a, he was coming down to make a public uh, commitment as well. But I got to tell you, I was nine years old when that took place. Let me tell you, putting out the fleece or asking God for a specific sign, it more often represents baby faith rather than mature growing faith in the living Lord. And God wants your faith to grow. God shows great patience. It was... By the way, I was 17 or 18 years old before I felt that that call was confirmed. But Paul says, stop being a babe in Christ and move from milk to solid food. Here's an indicator to whether you may be uh, weak faith versus a growing faith. Does everything that you know about God and everything you know about the Bible come from the pulpit or from a teacher? Or do you ever discover new stuff for yourself? Is it always spoon-fed? Or do you feed yourself and allow the Holy Spirit to feed you? How do you increase your faith? If you've identified yourself as having baby faith, it has to do with getting, being obedient to follow God's Word. For baby faith to grow, you must know God's Word and do it. There's another level that we'll look at. And that is what I'm calling faux faith. Meaning not quite real, looks like it is, but it isn't. What is it that they call the purses or watches or clothing sometimes that uh, are not necessarily genuine, but they look like they are? They put them in, you know, sometimes on the street or in discount stores. Knockoffs. Well, we might could call this knockoff faith. We want to make sure our faith is not faux faith or knockoff faith. Looks like the real thing, but really isn't. Uh, we were in a foreign country one time, and I saw this at the souvenir shop where they had a sign. Uh, Genuine fake watches. I don't know why I was the only one that thought that that was funny. I, I think this happens sometimes when we want to have faith and we may try to place our faith in God. But if we examine it closely, it's really faith in something else or it's faith in God plus something. It's faith in God plus ourselves, plus our possessions, plus our money, plus our own abilities or someone else's. When God demands our faith to be in Him alone... Here was Gideon. He appeared to have faith. He gathered 32,000 men to fight. It's estimated that the enemy might have had between 150 to 200,000. 32,000 looks like faith, but God said, you know, you've got too many. Tell everybody that is that trembles with fear. I mean, those who are scared out of their socks. Gideon wasn't the only one that was fearful. Tell them to get their stuff and go home. And they did. Left 10,000. He said, that's still too many. He said, take them down to the water and I'll sort them out for you. I'll sift through. 9,700 of them got down on their knees and put their face to the water. 300 remained standing and licked the water up from their hands as they drank. And God said, everyone that knelt down, send them back to their tents. Much has been made about these 300 being the ones who were always ready and alert as they stood to drink. And I know that we need to be ready and alert as believers. It may have been that this is just simply the way that God chose and the way He sifted. 
However, I would say that these 300 are bold enough to follow and to be obedient. And maybe these 300 might really be relevant to Parkway Baptist Church because this is about the number that we've had since we've come back from COVID. About two-thirds of where we are in attendance about a year and a half to two years ago. But how sad for the 9,700 who were not ready, the 22,000 who were too afraid. Well, whether it be due to courage or simply being chosen... I want to be among the number to see up close and personal God do a great work. Lord, if you're going to do a great work, choose me to be able to watch and to be up close and personal. Choose us. So for faith to grow, that is faith in anything else, numbers, finances, self, for foolishness, for faith to grow, get rid of all that competes with God in faith. And that might mean some sacrifice, something that you really love or that you love more than God. And may I admit to you today, we have many more idols and gods than Israel ever thought of. Hey, have you seen now in just the highlights of Gideon's story how his faith continued to grow? Oh, so can yours. So that you might be able to have this level of godly faith or growing faith. Genuine faith is a growing faith. Do we never stand still? We never stop growing, changing, transforming to being like Jesus. Could God have taken care of the enemy without the 300? Well, sure he could have. But he was more interested in seeing Gideon's faith grow as well as the rest of his people. In chapter 7 and verse 15, just as Gideon, or God had told Gideon to arise, now Gideon's telling them, arise, go forth. God has given us victory. So genuine going, growing faith results in worship and obedience. Genuine growing faith results in worship and obedience. Gideon divided his men into three units, 100 apiece. And he told him, said, do as I do. They surrounded the camp midnight at the changing of the guard, changing of the watch. Some are coming in, some are going out. There was some movement that was happening there in the enemy camp. And when he blew his trumpet, everybody else blew his trumpet. There they had in the right hands, they had a torch with a vessel on top. A torch with, a, uh, with an empty jar on top of it. When he broke his empty jar, everybody broke their empty jar and they, they held the torches up. And then they began to yell. They said, for the Lord and for Gideon. And the Lord brought such confusion in the camp, they said, that they began to uh, take their swords, the enemy did, and they struck all of their fellow enemies until all the soldiers were dead or they fled, and God gave the victory. Now there's some significance in the three items, the 300 used for God to give the victory when you compare them to the New Testament. The significance of the jars is that they were empty and they were clean. New Testament tells us that we are vessels that need to come to the Lord and we need to be empty and we need to be clean. It may be today that we need to come in repentance of sin There's the significance of the torches. We're told to let our light shine before others and to glorify God. And there's some significance of the trumpet and the battle cry. We need to share the good news with Christ and what He has done. God's vision for Gideon and for Israel was seen in the early verses of chapter 6. Gideon, you are a mighty warrior. Go and save Israel out of Midian's hand. God's vision for Parkway Baptist Church can be seen in the Great Commandment, in the Great Commission, and in Acts 1-8. We're to make disciples and we are to win others to Jesus. 
God's vision for your life? Has He spoken to you this morning? Has He let you know what that vision is or what that purpose is? We might not have all the details, but the Lord wants us to know. Keep listening. He will, but it is to increase your faith and to build God's kingdom. Well, let me ask you this morning, did you see yourself? Weak faith, baby faith, full faith, or godly growing faith. Only category that we have not listed is no faith. And if you're here today or perhaps you're listening today, and if you realize that you have not placed your faith in the Lord Jesus, it is our prayer today that today will be the day that you call upon Christ, asking Him to forgive you of your sin and asking Christ to come in. Even from the Old Testament story of Gideon, we realize how much God loves us and He has a plan for us. And He wants us to give us a free gift and we're able to receive that gift as we place our faith in Him. We understand as we've come and read these passages today that the Lord has us someplace. We want to realize where we are today and where it is that God wants us to be. We will be ready to follow Him. Let's pray together pray today. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your watch care over us. We thank you for your presence here today. We thank you for the baptisms that have taken place. Praise have been lifted through song and the proclamation of your word. We pray that you may continue to be at work even now, Father. We know Holy Spirit can do great things. We thank you for all that you've done in the past. We pray, Father, we may be able to see right where we are today as a church and as individuals. And Father, we pray that we might be able to see how you want to continue to be at work in our lives so that we might grow and be transformed to be more like Christ. Do that today. If there's someone here today that does not know you, Savior and Lord, may today be the day of salvation. This prayer we lift up in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.